0: Hello you filthy animals and welcome to a brand new episode of the Old Metal Bar steward, brought to you by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. I am your host, the Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Grey, and the eagle-eyed, uh, eared among you may have noticed that there was no episode last week. This is down to the fact that I managed to throw my back out just by moving too quickly. Yes, I am that old. This left me laid up and unable to move for about three to four days until something in my spine popped at 4am one morning and gave me back the movement I hadn't had, to a degree. I was finally able to get off the sofa, but if I wanted to look at someone or something, I had to turn my entire body, kind of like how George Clooney had to act in Batman and Robin due to the Batsuit being about as flexible as concrete. Still... I'm all fixed again now, and unless I do anything stupid, like try to pick up my kids for example, I should be good to go for the foreseeable future. With all that in mind, and because I'm missing to get into the show, let's get the usual disclaimer out of the way and get on with it, shall we? The opinions and thoughts of the old metal bastard are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinions and thoughts of 25 years later media and the Ruminations Radio Network. So if you want to get pissy about anything I've said or feel like calling me out, then do it. Call me out. Nobody else. This is pretty apt, as it seems that James Katak, or at least someone pretending to be him, took umbrage with some of the things I said in the last episode. For those of you who might not remember or have never heard the show before, I called him a fucking moron for denying that climate change is an actual thing, before pointing out that unless he's an actual scientist... He, along with all the conspiracy whack jobs in the world to shut the hell up and let the adults sort out what is a very real and very serious problem. Well, I received a comment on the article I wrote for this show over on the main 25 years later site from a guy called James, who asked me to call him up and left a number. Being the inquisitive little bastard I am, I looked it up by all accounts it's actually his telephone number. So I'm guessing what you want to know is did I call it? Well. No, I didn't. Now don't worry, your old metal bar steward hasn't gone soft since his injury. The reason I didn't phone him was that it's an American number and I live in England. And I'll be buggered if I'm going to pay an extortionate amount of money just to have someone call me an asshole from the safety of their own mobile phone. So does that mean I'm going to offer him an apology for my comments? No, it doesn't, and I stand by everything I said. What I am going to do, right here, right now, is offer him the opportunity to come on the show and discuss with me what I consider to be his insane theories and beliefs. Now I don't want him to think that this would be a hatchet job and that I wouldn't give him a fair crack of the whip. So I've lined up an impartial moderator to stop it just descending into me doing a Piers Morgan on the guy, Minus the racism, of course. And if you want someone in this corner to make sure that my moderator calls it down the middle, then I'm more than happy to have that happen as well. So, what are you saying, Mr. Katak? You game? If you are, then you can get in contact with me one of three ways either via the Ruminations Radio Network website, or via the 25 Years Later website, or you can direct message me on Twitter at wwruminations. Now, on with the news. And during the time I've been off Aaron, we've sadly lost one of the best songwriters of his generation. Jim Steinman passed away at the age of 73. For those of you that somehow don't know, Steinman was responsible for some of the biggest-selling singles and albums ever, the likes of Bonnie Tyler and Celine Dion, much to my surprise. But what they will always been known for is his collaboration with Meatloaf on the monster of a record that was bat out of hell. I've always loved that record, and I'm on, really not going to apologise about it. Even back during my formative years and early 20s when I was heavily into the Seattle scene as well as the likes of the Manic Street Preachers, the Wild Hearts, etc, 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 Battle of Hell was always sitting in my collection even if it might have been hidden behind the newest Smash and Pumpkins release. In fact, as I've grown older I've learned to appreciate it even more, looking at the whole concept as a perfectly written rock and roll opera of teenage angst wrapped up in some of the catchiest tunes you'll ever hear. It's also been a high point of my existence that I've managed to uh, pretty much influence or browbeat my friends and loved ones into accepting Bat Out of Hell into their lives and a night on the L with the old metal bar steward has always found at least paradise by the dashboard like being blasted out at three in the morning. So it is with a heavy heart that I say goodbye to a man who not only reached out to a moody 20-year-old going through some seriously rough times but millions of people around the globe. Goodbye, Jim Steinman. You will be sorely missed. In lighter news, it seems that The Simpsons, of all programs, have managed to piss off everyone's favourite sad sack, Morrissey. Now, I know that Morrissey is about as metal as Taylor Swift, but he's a far-right supporting wankstain, and the news that he was offended by a parody of him in The Simpsons is just way too good to pass up. For those of you who haven't seen the episode in question, which I'm guessing is possibly most of you as The Simpsons stopped being funny about 20 years ago, Panic on the Streets of Springfield follows the friendship of Lisa Simpson and a character called Quillaby, who was once the frontman for the 80s indie darlings The Snuffs. Subtly... It turns out that Quillaby is an overweight, racist, militant vegetarian. And even though the writers of the show claim he's a composite of everyone from Ian Curtis of Joy Division to Robert Smith the cure, that's blatantly a load of bullshit. And it's obviously a massive shot on Morrissey himself. To say that he's not happy with this depiction of him is quite an understatement. His official Facebook account released a statement condemning the show and called all those involved bullies. Which, again, is the definition of irony. Outside of them getting upset by the racism tag, they are very, very annoyed by the way he's been portrayed as fat, claiming it's false to show him with his, and I quote, belly hanging out of his shirt when he never looked like that at any point in his career. End quote. Well, that may be the case. I don't ever recall the mopey one looking like an orca, but... Having appeared on TV wearing a For Britain badge, a political organisation that even Nigel Farage believes is made up of Nazis and racists, for them to question his stance on race is just fucking laughable. Morrissey has claimed that he should be allowed to say what he wants when he wants, but it seems that the ideology only applies to him, and if anyone else calls him out on this bullshit, he has his feelings hurt. Maybe if you didn't associate with fucking douchebags and people would be willing to cut you some slack. Just a thought. And talking of fucking douchebags, today I debut a new segment that will be a permanent fixture in the show until either he dies or I get bored. That's right folks, it's time for Nutty Nugent Watch. Ted Nugent is just a gift that keeps on giving, isn't he? If you've been following the show these past few weeks, you'll know that your old metal bar steward is on a one-man crusade to call Ted Nugent out at every opportunity. Here is a man who is a known COVID denier and has even gone as far as to blame doctors in America for making up the numbers of deaths associated with this disease. So you can imagine how fucking hard I laughed when good old Ted reported during yet another Facebook live stream that he has fucking COVID. Yeah. Just let that sink in for a second. Fucking glorious, isn't it? Apparently, he's been feeling like he was dying for about ten days, and then went and got his diagnosis, and boom, welcome to the world of irony, motherfucker. Ted being Ted, however, has to make sure that you know it's the Chinese disease he's got, because he's a fucking racist, and that he's going to beat it by sheer willpower. As opposed to, you know getting vaccinated like a normal human being. But it seems that Crazy Ted isn't sold on the belief that his willpower alone will be enough to beat a disease that slain millions across the globe. Because after he made that initial statement, he then confirmed that he's taking the anti-parasite drug, and excuse me if I get this wrong, ivermectin? That sounds right. Yes, folks, just when you thought that nutty Nugent couldn't get any nuttier... Tesno now mixing this with a healthy dose of, oh, here's another one, hydroxychlorine, the malaria drug that Donald Trump tried to convince everyone to load up on, even though it, along with the anti-malaria drug, has been proven as totally ineffective and highly sodding dangerous to be used for anything other than what they're designed to be used for. He also took offence at the fact that the rest of the universe has been laughing at him non-stop for asking about COVID ones to nine, uh, sorry ones to eighteen, saying that we all missed the point and that we're liberal idiots. And he's also claimed that those of us who are laughing at the fact that he's contracted a disease that, right up until he caught it, he was denying even fucking existed. Well, we're all satanic, really, Ted. We're the idiots. We're satanic. You have denied the existence of this silent fucking killer since day one. And now you've got it, you're just going to place your chances of survival into the hands of God and quacks instead of proper medicine. I sure as shit hope that your God is the forgiving kind, because if it was me, I'd let your fucking ass die. And it seems that I'm not the only one who finds Ted's predicament unbelievably funny, though I might be the only one who would actually let him perish, as Dee Snyder took to Twitter to laugh at the news by tweeting, Ha 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 ha, uh, I mean that's so sad while Sebastian Bach wrote that he had very little sympathy for Ted or anyone else who happens to be a racist. While I'm on the subject of D. Snyder, he took to Twitter again this past week to stick the boots to Iced Earth's John Schaefer. For those of you who don't know, Schaefer was arrested for his involvement in trying to bring down the United States government after the orange hairpiece of an ex-president incited a bunch of his followers to storm the Capitol building on January the 6th this year. Schaefer was caught on camera looking very much like he wanted to kill any politician he might have stumbled across that day and quickly found his ass thrown in jail on felony charges. Well, being the stand-up citizen that he is, he cried like a little bitch with a skin knee about the situation he found himself in, before taking a plea deal with the government he was so happy to try and overthrow. Idiots man, idiots. As it stands Instead of the six charges he was facing, he pled guilty to two. And though those carry a maximum of 30 years, 30 years jail time, it's been recommended that he only faces three to four years tops, depending on how good his information is in helping lock up other idiots. This has drawn B. Snyder to be understandably annoyed, and he tweeted this piece of shit is an embarrassment to the metal community. First, he shames us with his terrorist actions in D.C., And then he becomes a rat to his own people for a lighter sentence. Man the fuck up. Own your shit. If you do the crime, do the time. Let me be clear on this. No one should ever rat out or throw their families, friends or cohorts under the bus. That's pussy bullshit and it's the problem with today's society. Everyone is so quote unquote tough until they get caught. Then they are quick to blame everyone else. So like I said at the start of this, I love B. Snyder. I've always, and I mean Always said that if you do something that's wrong, then fucking admit it. You fucked up. No one else. Take responsibility for your own actions. You can't go around trying to lay the blame at other people's doors for your own stupidity. That's not how this shit works. There are far too many people in this world who are always looking for a cop-out. Searching for an excuse to blame someone, anyone, that isn't them for the fucking mess they've made of their lives. Oh, I push drugs because it's the only way I can make any money. Really? I've held down three cleaning jobs at one time just to make ends meet. Three? And you're telling me you can't find one? Oh, my parents are the reason I turned out the way I did. Wow, my parents were raging drunks who pissed all of our money up the wall so we ended up being evicted, but I think I turned out alright. Y'all need to cut this shit out. Stop looking for excuses. Stop trying to hide behind some fucking made-up reason for your asshole fucking behaviour. Except that you fucked up. Learn from that mistake and move the fuck on. In other D. Snyder news, he posted a version of Alice Cooper's classic Go to Hell that he did alongside Zach Wilde over on Twitter. And sweet Jesus, it's so fucking metal that they're going to need a new symbol for the periodic table. Honestly, if you're going to do a cover version, then do it right. And Snyder and Wilde nailed this to the fucking mass with a massive jackhammer. I heard it highly highly encourage you, not Hurley, highly encourage you to jump onto YouTube when this show is over and check it out. You won't be disappointed. A couple of weeks ago, I came across an interesting piece about Wednesday 13 talking about his friend Marilyn Manson and the allegations of abuse that have been leveled against him by Evan Rachel Wood, along with a myriad of other women. For those of you who've somehow managed to miss this story, Wood has alleged that Manson groomed her and horrifically abused her during the time the two were in a relationship, She claimed that she was done being afraid of reprisals and blackmail from the music industry and that Manson should be held accountable for his actions, which, if true, he should. After Wood came forward, she was soon joined by a lot of other women who said that they experienced the same kind of abuse at Manson's hands. Manson has quite obviously denied this, saying that everything that happened between himself and the women in question was completely consensual there's been massive fallout from this and he's been dropped by both his management label and his record label and I think also his talent agency. While talking to the rock and roll experience, Wednesday 13 was asked his opinion on what was happening to his friend and he said, It's one of those kind of things. It's the same thing where it was all right. these are the accusations and everybody is okay, well he's a monster so let's step on the spider, let's kill the monster. And I guess that's probably the first reaction to that kind of thing. But they're all accusations and I say it's innocent until proven guilty. Manson's been a close friend of mine for years and I don't know of him to be any of the stuff that I've read. So I don't know, man. It just fucking sucks. But you know what? He's got a point. Just like a vast majority of people, I heard all these accusations and just assumed, yeah, sounds about right. Gotta be guilty. Which is A, a really fucking dumb thing to do and B, a really fucking dangerous thing to do. Now, I'm not saying that none of this happened. I'm not a fucking idiot. What I am saying is that as someone who has very much gone out of his way to be against this kind of railroading, that the likes of social media and the normal media seem quite happy to dish out on a daily basis, and being myself very outspoken about cancer culture and writers, podcasters, YouTubers, you name it, using their power to try to influence people around to their way of thinking, I committed the cardinal sin and condemned the man before he's even had his day in court. As I said, I'm not saying that none of these accusations happen. What I am saying is that we really do need to get back to the whole innocent until proven guilty system that nearly every justice system has been built on instead of making these knee-jerk reactions as soon as one person accuses another of some heinous act. After all... God forbid any of us would ever find ourselves in this situation with seemingly no one willing to at least hear our side of the story. Back to that bastard Covid now and Alice Cooper has been talking about how the disease affected him and how he's now encouraging everybody to get the shot. Again if you've missed this, Alice and his wife Cheryl both contracted Covid last December and even though it wasn't as life threatening to them as it has been to a whole host of people, He still lost £15 and felt pretty wiped out by the whole experience. Then in February he got the shot and he's telling all of you metalheads that might still be umming and ahring about sorting your shit out to follow suit. Talking to Eddie Trunk on Trunk Nation, Alice said, I hate shots. I hate needles more than anything. And I never felt either shot. It was the most painless thing I've ever had in my life. And the second shot, 12 hours later, I went, oh man, this is nothing. Then I got the chills for about two hours. I was under blankets for two hours and then it was gone. That was it. The funny thing about it was I was watching the people getting the shot and I didn't even see a grimace. I didn't even see that. And I went, how are these people not reacting? There was an old lady getting a shot and she didn't even flinch. So, Alice is 73 and he got the shot. The old lady he looked at was in the same hospital, also got the shot. And you're telling me that fully grown metalheads are afraid of a little jab? Come on, guys and girls, if you're sitting on the fence over this then follow the example of the rock god and an OAP, get the fucking shot. Back to the right wing nut jobs and it seems that Stain's singer Singer Well, if you say so has written a new song that not only takes a pop at Bruce Springsteen, but also seems to question why Confederate statues are being removed across America. As reported on blabbermouth some of the lyrics are as follows. and i do apologize these are terrible am i the only one who can't take no more screaming if you don't like it there's the fucking door this ain't the freedom we've been fighting for it was something more yeah it was something more am i the only one willing to fight for my love of the red and white and the blue burning on the ground as the statues come down in a town near you. Watching the threads of all glory come undone. Am I the only one? I can't be the only one. Am I the only one who quits singing along every time they play a Springsteen song? And most people would say four cans are stellar and a rhyming dictionary. Not me, modern part of our time, that bloke. Alright, let's begin, shall we? If, as a right-wing nut job, you've only just stopped listening to Bruce Springsteen songs, then you've obviously... One of these dumbasses who've never actually listened to the lyrics of Born in the USA, and instead of recognising it as one of the best anti-war tracks ever written, just assumed it was a patriotic garbage piece to chant at a football game. Also, if you think that pulling down statues of renowned racists is damaging the old red, white and blue, then God help us, if you ever get into any position of power as I have no doubt you'll be erecting burning crosses outside of black churches like fucking Christmas decorations within a week. Finally, stain the fucking shit, your fucking shit, just do the world a favour and fuck off. Okay, this next piece is a call to arms to my English listeners who are heading to the Reading and Leeds festivals this year. It's been announced that Machine Gun Kelly will be performing at these gigs and I'm sorry but we need to make a stand I can remember when the announcement of these lineups would be something I look forward to for months on end, and I've seen some fucking cracking performances at these shows. The likes of Nirvana tearing up the stage, Henry Rollins offering everyone out for a fight, Danny from the Wild Hearts dislocating his fucking kneecap as he ran out for their opening song and still playing the rest of the fucking set. These are the kind of moments that made these festivals legendary, but what do we have now? Machine Gun Kelly trying to prove that he's metal. He's really fucking not. Now, I hate to use the term back in my day, but back in my day, this mumble rap fake metalhead would have been greeted with a barrage of piss bottles so thick it would have blocked out the sun. And though it would be remiss of me to suggest that those of you in attendance follow suit, a good idea is still a good fucking idea. Rob Zombie is working on a reboot of The Monsters, and to be honest, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You see... I love his Firefly trilogy and think they are three of the best tributes to Grindhouse cinema that have ever been produced, but I absolutely despise his rework on the Friday the 13th and Halloween. So with the Monsters, I'm kind of 50-50. I know he has it in him to make a top quality movie because I've seen them, but at the same time, I know he can make out of garbage because I've seen those as well. The only thing I will say is, being British, I don't have any real attachment to the Monsters TV series. ...so I can at least go into it not really expecting a great deal. I'm maiden legend Bruce Dickinson is barking on a spoken word tour of the UK this August... ...called, originally enough, An Evening with Bruce Dickinson. And I'm not happy about it one little bit. It's not that I wouldn't give my right arm to sit down and listen to Bruce tell me his stories... ...even if it was in a... ...spaced room full of other people but because he's just not doing a show anywhere near me. This is a problem that has long persisted for anyone who lives southwest of London. It's almost as if the bands and artists are getting ready to hit the road, grab a map, and that has my area of the country cut off. I live about 20 minutes or so away from the city of Bristol. By the way, the dam, or Captain Incentive, if you're listening to this, this is aimed at you too. Now, Bristol was a pretty big fucking place and has more than enough clubs and venues, large enough for anyone to play, but yet 8 percent of the time we get missed out. If I want to go and see this show, it's nearly three hours there and three hours back, instead of a 40-minute round trip, and it's a major, massive pain in the aris. Come on, rock and metal gods, and the damned! We need music as much as those in the big smoke. Start booking some goddamn shows down here. Now, if you listened to the show last time out, you'll know that Baby Metal has a lot happening to celebrate their 10th anniversary, starting with a live stream of pre-recorded shows that I'm not sold on at all, as it's far too expensive for what it is. Well, as if to say, hold my beer, they've announced that they will be releasing a limited set of trading cards on May the 6th that you can buy along with a gold vinyl version of the album "10 Baby Metal Years" for the low, low price of $100 or 71 quid. Look. I get the whole collecting thing, but that's so steep, it's almost vertical. And considering there will be a limited print of a thousand copies of these fuckers, they look to rake in nearly a hundred grand? I get it, they want to celebrate ten years in the business, but this... Everything they've done so far just strikes me as if they're trying to fleece the fans for every last red cent they can get. And talking of fleecing the fans, nobody does it better than Kiss and it seems Gene and Paul have come up with yet another unique way of getting you to part with your hard-earned dollar. Kiss Replicas will soon be offering you, the fan, the opportunity to add your own very own, very, very own official Kiss Demon costume to your collection, and it will only set you back the best part of three fucking grand. Really? Three grand to look like Gene Simmons? You can pick up a knockoff version on eBay for about $50. I mean, if you're that sodding and desperate, is always banging on about how Rock is dead. Well, he sure as shit ain't afraid to rifle through his pocket for any loose change him might have lying about, is he? Now, instead of helping line the pockets of people who have so much money that Scrooge McDuck would fucking blush, how about instead you give it to someone who needs it, such as Exodus drummer Tom Hunting. Hunting is currently fighting stomach cancer and needs financial help with his treatment. He has a GoFundMe page set up, because being in the United States, medical costs are fucking extortionate. So if you've got the time and a decent bone in your body, then go help the guy out. Even if it's just a couple of bucks, it's just one cup of coffee you're going to be down with today. The Download Festival has announced its bill for next year and it's pretty fucking huge. Over 70 bands will play across three days, including the likes of Iron Maiden, Kiss, Megadeth, the Distillers, it just goes on and on. Having a couple of rugrats myself, and no one we can fob them off on due to a lack of grandparents or family, sadly Mr and Mrs Old Metal Bastard will have to miss it, which is quite the kick of the cadiddle hopper. But I can always rock out to whatever channel gets the show either live or a few weeks later. Though I guess for the real experience I'll have to throw up a tent in the living room, chuck a ton of mud around the place and poop in a few corners. If I can get to see the shows one way or another, the two acts I'm actually really looking forward to seeing live or via satellite should I say are the Black Label Society and the Pretty Reckless. The first is because Zach Wilde is a fucking guitar god and the second because I've developed quite an attachment to the band due to their new kick-ass album Death by Rock and Roll. Obviously the usual suspects will figure high on my list but those two, I can't wait to see them smash out of the park. Anthrax have announced what their plans are for their 40th anniversary this year, as reported a few weeks ago via The Drummer. Starting on May the 3rd, the Anthrax social media accounts will have video testimonial from all kinds of famous faces in the music industry, chewing the fat on what it was like to work with the band, or be in a band, or what the band's music meant to them, and what they now mean or have meant to the entire business across four decades. This will be happening on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and will all be leading up to a live stream on July the 16th featuring a deep cut set that will pull from the band's entire career spanning catalogue. Now I'm very interested in what the people involved have to say about the band, the main thing I've got my eye on is that live stream. And as we're going to be able to get our grubby hands on a special 40th anniversary edition bottle of bourbon to watch the show with, it will most definitely be with one eye. the other will be closed to stop the room spinning and finally like all good news shows i like to end on either an uplifting note or at least a funny one this week's story falls quite heavily into the latter category and then some a new mother revealed on twitter that a beautiful baby girl was named corn by mistake it seems that when they were asked for the child's name they said cora but whoever it was that wrote it down was either not paying attention or a total metalhead and wrote down Jonathan Davis's band instead. It seems that it was only a temporary thing as a woman in question confirmed that they had actually sent in the paperwork to have the name changed to the one they originally wanted. But after the amount of retweets and news making headlines it garnered, I think the boys in corn should at least shell out to cover any expenses the family might have accrued if for no other reason than the metric fuckton of free publicity this generated for the band. So there it is, another week, another episode of the Old Metal Bar Steward. I've been your host, the Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show, brought to you by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network, and you all know the drill by now. When you turn off my dulcet tones, head on over to the main 25 Years Later site, as well as its sister sites, Horror Obsessive and Sports Obsessive, and get your eyeballs from top-notch reading. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network, as they've got you covered no matter what your ear holes are craving. I'll be back here, back permitting, in seven days' time with more news, reviews and opinions. And if you want to follow me on that there Twitter, you can at www.ruminations. So until I speak to you next time, stay safe and stay metal, you filthy animals. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.